0: Uh, when it comes to winning the battle, we know that we want to cry out to God. We want to stop disobeying. Now, every one of these subjects were covered and explained so far, if you weren't here. The Lord is still with you, and we talked a lot about that. Thank God is with us when we're not always with Him the way we should be. Thank God He doesn't give up on us. There are times that God did hold back From Israel because their sin was so great to get their attention that can happen but the Lord is with us because he's everywhere he cannot not be with us but he can hold back his manifestations number four the dialogue between God and Gideon trying to understand that it's and we're going to talk about that again today you know you know a a little bit again today is it okay to tell God how you feel (laughs) and type of thing But God and Gideon had this discussion going on. The dialogue that sometimes referring to how sometimes we reason, how we try to reason things. And if we're not careful, we can reason ourselves right out of something that that God wants for us. Uh, Number five, the useless altar, the the useless things in our lives, the things that when you stop and think about it, uh, I mean, this is a good little practice to do, pause and think what do I do every day of my life that's useless? That's not necessary. And in this case, there were some altars. They had served another God. They made another God and was serving it. And they weren't happy that that God was destroyed. And uh, that was God, so God was dealing with the useless idol. An idol that can't talk, can't speak, can't feel, It just, it can't do anything. And uh, so uh, why do we hang on to things that can't talk? (laughs) It can't fill. It can't do anything. Why do we hang on to things that are useless in our lives? Uh, Number six, when we obey, we will find that uh, he'll send his Holy Spirit to be there to aid us. When God puts us out into something that's really challenging, God will be there to guide us. So we're going to pick up today with number seven, Um, Gideon makes sure of God's plan. So in Judges uh, chapter six, we want to uh, pick up with... um, verse 36 6 36 let me get get myself here gotta I've got my pages all numbered here I got get to there we go there we go there we go all right um, isn't it amazing if you don't have the right sheet, Here we go. Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and, and on all the ground is dry, then I will know that you have saved Israel by my hand, as you said. Now, we have to remember, he has, this is very important, he has already told him. Gideon already knows what God can do. So here's God and Gideon getting back into another dialogue. It's just another dialogue. It's another one of those conversations. Gideon trying to get out of it the first dialogue, because I'm the least of all, Our, our people are, and I'm the least of all. And so God had to get him over that hurdle. So here's another hurdle. Now it's about the battle to be fought, and uh, Gideon questioning the ability to win in this battle. Okay, so he has to be convinced that in God's eyes, uh, I'm not the least apparently because you want me to do it. But now it's the battle time, and I don't know if we can do that. So he's questioning that. Okay. Look, I will place a, again, a wool fleece on the threshold floor. If there's dew only on the fleece, all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early. The next day, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Now, for a lot of people, that would have been enough. But was it enough for Gideon? You see? It should have been enough, but was it enough for Gideon? Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me just, one more request. Make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Now, I, I, I do know and I, I realize that uh, you can, you've can you been taught, I'm sure, over the years, we have to be careful with fleece, in that we have to remember faith is supposed to come in the picture somewheres. Uh, I also don't believe that fleece are wrong. I just don't believe we should live by fleeces. <laughs> the Bible says live by faith. And don't live by feeling, but we live by faith. Because if we go by what we feel, those feelings will change. Uh, listen, I can stand here and tell you five stories in five minutes and get five emotional reactions out of you. Because that's the way we're wired. You can look you at something and go, you can look at something and go, huh! something and go huh! it, it, it just, that's our emotions. But we, so we don't live by fleeces, but we live by faith. But it isn't wrong to do a fleece either. And at the same time, there's nothing wrong with just stepping out in blind faith. There are those that can just do the, as soon as God says do something, they can just do it. That's just how they are. They have grown in the Lord over the years. They've learned through many years of experience walking in the Lord. You just have faith and believe it and move on. Doesn't mean we don't pray about it, doesn't mean we don't think about it, but we we move on trusting God. And then there are those who perhaps are much younger in faith, and as they're growing in the Lord, they they need to test some things. They're just not quite sure. And then there are some who, number two, want to fight kind of what God wants them to do, so guess what they do? They put a fleece out there hoping that they'll win the battle with God. And I'm going to give you one of those stories right now. So I'm in high school. I'm getting ready to go off to Bible school in Pennsylvania, which is now University of Valley Forge is the name of it today. Same school. And um, so I'm dating this young girl in high school. And I believe I love her. And uh, you'll understand why I I said that in a moment. I believed I loved her. And, but I, we had a Christian club in high school, and I was the president of our Christian club in my senior year, and her name was Joan, and Joan eventually gave her heart to the Lord in school. We would have our Bible club meeting before school started in the morning. Back in the days, you were allowed to do that kind of stuff. And uh, so she gave her heart to the Lord, so she was a Christian. And we dated, and, and we had a good, healthy uh, relationship, morally, and in every respect a healthy relationship, and so I'm, I'm getting ready to go off to Bible school, and I'm thinking that this could be the girl someday, and she said, I want to be in the ministry someday with you, and et cetera, et cetera, saying all the right things that guy wants to hear, and I get off to school, and all of a sudden I'm starting to feel convicted while in Bible school, so I broke up with her because I felt the Lord was telling me to break up with her. And I wrote her a letter, and she was heartbroken, just devastated. Well, it's Christmas time, the first semester. After the first semester, it's Christmas time. We go home for a break, back to Michigan. And uh, I get to Michigan, and she reaches out to me, and lo and behold, we start talking and connecting. And I'm in turmoil, and I said to my dad, what do I do? I I I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm not supposed to be with her, but I don't know what to do. He said, son, it's okay. It's okay. Just, it's all right. I, I feel the Lord is letting you know it's okay. And I respected my dad. He was a growing man in the lord he was learning to be spiritual you know he was a little bit younger in the lord because remember 18 years in prison he didn't get saved until his last three years in prison so he was still not he didn't know all the word yet either you know and of course i'm learning the word i'm off to bible school to learn the word and so i decided to go back with her well on my trip back to pennsylvania i don't remember if i we drove with some kids Other kids because we would pack, we would team up and drive each other back and forth to Bible school. Those from Michigan, etc., and uh, or if I flew that time, but all the way back to Pennsylvania. Guess what was happening in my heart? I was heavily convicted for going back with her. So I was reading the scripture and I said, "Lord, oh Lord, what am I going to do? I really like this girl." And by the way, here's the story I want you to understand. One day I'm at, I was, I did construction and. The summertime with a construction company we built parking ramps buildings parking ramps things like that we were I was a laborer and uh, the guy who hired me there was a deacon in our church in in Lansing Michigan and he made the comment he says he says my, my nickname is bunny but he called me bun guy I have no clue what a bun guy is but I was hey bun guy how you doing today and he said Oh, the Clearboost guy. Now, this was a word of knowledge at the time. Here's what he said to me. He says, Bungay, never marry a woman out of sympathy because you feel sorry for her. And I looked at him. This was lunchtime. I just looked away. I kept eating. Why and where? Where's that coming from? Well, it all related the Lord gave him the word that days never marry a married woman. He gave me warning ahead of time. The Lord gave me a warning ahead of time. And so I get off that school and I said, Lord, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I'll tell you what I'm gonna do, Lord. Because all it does is snow back in those days in January in Pennsylvania. I know I was there. It snowed the time we were there. At that time of year it was snowing when we went back to Michigan on break. So I thought I really had God in a, a corner. So I said, God, I tell you what, I'll know if it's God's will if I stay with her. If it doesn't rain on Monday. <laughs> I got back on a weekend. If it doesn't rain on Monday, Lord, I'll know that it's I'll know that it's your will to stay with her. And I really thought I had God trapped. Of course, you have to understand, I'm just a young guy. Do I think that way today? Oh no, you can't trap God. Would you believe, you know what I'm gonna say, it didn't rain Monday only. Oh, no, 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 it rained Tuesday. Oh, no, 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 it rained Wednesday. It rained Thursday. And as I remember, it rained Friday. Because I remember it was four or five days. I said, Lord, I cannot believe you. I said, okay, I'll do it, folks. We had snow before winter we had snow after that week why in the world did it have to rain that week well god spared me she was a good girl don't get me wrong but i realized later that i did feel sorry for her environment where she was living because she her parents was rough on her and i think there was a little bit of a savior syndrome in me to get her out of that environment i really think that's why that board member was used of god to say that Weeks before I went back to Bible school, because I worked in the summertime. So, what I learned was is that we have to be very careful that we're not running from something when we put a fleece out. As suppose we should never, we should only use a fleece as a confirmation to something, not as the originator of the something. Do you hear what I'm saying? A fleece for Gideon was for a confirmation. He's wanted to make sure that this he can do. He's already been told you're greater than the least you think you are. Now he's being told you can win the battle. I'm sending you to. So there's two things we need to be very careful of today, and they're going to be one of them's going to be a little heavy. Might be a little heavy. But I didn't want to rush this because I think it's so very, 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 very important that we understand this. By the way, I I should give you, uh, I think I might have mentioned this before in one of my messages, but I I felt so bad for this young lady that I broke with her because she was once again devastated, and I didn't like the letter she sent back. It was pretty heavy, thinking, oh, God, have I cost this girl her salvation? Have I messed up her salvation and her thinking that what kind of a Christian is this who... Breaks up with me twice, you know, et cetera, et cetera. She wasn't happy. make a long story short, I prayed for her all through the years. Remember I told you about it? I prayed for her all through the years. And a few years ago, she reached out to me. She still serves the Lord. She's still serving the Lord. I said, oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. So all those prayers over those years worked because that's really concerned for her soul because I had, I had messed up, not her, not God, I had messed up. I was trying to make something work that wasn't God's will. Okay? Um, So, number one, be careful when someone speaks a word over you, but God hasn't. Be very careful when someone speaks a word over you, but God hasn't, at least yet. It could be an early confirmation coming. But look for God to speak to you. When, when we bring these, uh, as Presbyter, we meet with these young people that come in to get their credentialing. And some of them are much older. We got some that are Christmas age getting their credentials. And uh, so, you know, we, we tell them, give us a defining moment. When can you tell us that God spoke to you to be in the ministry? Not another person, not a parent, not a family member, not a friend, not another minister, not a person who is in the ministry of prophecy, which we believe in, but has God told you? This is what we look for. Because it tells us one thing. It tells us you have an intimate relationship with God, and you know how to hear from God. Because if you don't have an intimate relationship with God and hear from God, you cannot stand in the pulpit and preach the word. If you can't hear from God, if you can't experience that, how can you stand in the pulpit and teach people and lead people? You know, you don't become a preacher because your dad was. You become a preacher because God called you. So be very careful when someone speaks a word of you. Make sure you've heard from God first before you act on that. Let it be a confirmation. And it may not be that at all, because I'll tell you what. Be careful when God has spoken something to you from someone else who said differently than what God has told you. You see the difference? Listen to this. Be careful when God has spoken something to you and someone else said something different to you. So there's the one who tells you something you learn from God. Then you have one who's telling you something differently than what God told you. You have to watch this today, folks. You have to watch this today. If you happen to remember the story in 1 Kings 13, 18, 1 Kings 13, 18, you can jot that verse down. 1 Kings 13, 18, there was a prophet of God who came to Bethel to speak a prophecy of God for the people in Bethel. And God told this man of God, And I'm just giving a brief summary. You have to read the whole chapter. Uh, God told this young man, I want you not to eat there. I just want you to go back home. I don't want you to stay there and eat there and mingle or anything. And so that's what God told him to do. Now, as you read the story, we find out that there was an old prophet of God who rose up, who claims an angel came to him and said to him that you are to, to come home and eat with me. Now, God had told him no. But this old prophet of God, who was a legitimate prophet of God. It could be anybody standing in this pulpit, a prophet of God. Told him differently, he was lying. Now, some people may ask the question, why in the world would that happen? How? Well, number one, it's been concluded By theologians, whatever other reasons God had, it has been concluded as you study the passage of Scripture that this was a test also for this young man. You know, God let Israel wander for 40 years to do what, it says. What's the very word the Bible uses? To, starts with a T, let them wander 40 years to Test them. All Israel had to do was obey. Who knows if those 40 years would have been cut short? Who knows? They've, for 40 years, they wanted because it was a test. It was a predetermined test because God foreknows all things. He foreknows all. God foreknows every decision you're going to make today and tomorrow and the rest of your life. He foreknows that already, you see. So it's predetermined. That which is foreknown is ordained to be. Foreknowledge is foreknowledge of God ahead of time. That which he foreknows, he ordains. He brings about. It happens. So when someone says to you, God told me to tell you, remember, has God told you? I want to hear from God. By the way, that young man died. He had to die for his disobedience. So, again, nothing wrong with a fleece for confirmation. But we don't live by fleeces. We live by faith. Don't forget to step out in faith. There's something deeper that's going on here, though. I want us to see today. And I wanted to make sure we got this really understood. God didn't rebuke Gideon for his lack of faith and making sure that this was God's working. I'm going to tell you why that's so important. God didn't rebuke Gideon for his lack of faith. Two Sundays ago that I wasn't here, we had a lady in our church have a miraculous healing, a 30-year... affliction in her body, that her son actually died of. And she was on a Sunday morning in church. She was instantly healed. And so my son had, he and her, sit on the platform on a Sunday morning, and they did a dialogue of her healing. She had the proof in writing. She has uh, x-rays on the screen for the church people to see the miracle in her body, you could see it on the, the screen. So there was no conclusion, but it was a miracle. Even the doctors were amazed. She gave her testimony and uh, how, how God had healed her. And one of the things that she was told, she was told that, well, by her peers, you need to have more faith. Well, if there was ever a woman, <laughs> who had faith, it was this woman. For 30 years she was crying out to God. For 30 years she was help, crying out for help. And she couldn't walk. She had a, She had her wheelchair on the stage, the automatic one she had on the stage because she didn't need it. Uh, the week she got healed, she didn't need it. She brought on the stage as a visual aid with her cane on there. She walked up to the stage. There was pictures of her on the beach. She. They couldn't get the video working to show her running on the beach because she's now jogging on the beach. She's been just instantly healed. It was, ph- it was phenomenal. But when she said, if you'd had more faith, let me, let me tell you something, folks. I, I beg of you. I know I've told you before, but I say it again. Don't walk up to somebody and say, you need more faith. If you feel there is a legitimate doubt in them, ask them are you trusting the Lord? I mean, are you, are you believing God? In other words, put it on them to say whether they are having faith or not. Don't sit there and say, you need more faith. Because everybody I've ever known that had need of great healing in their life, I knew personally, I knew they had good faith. I knew they had great faith. They were people of faith. They were people of faith. And, uh, and, and by the way, You can't say you don't have faith or you need more. Do you remember that when we got saved, we were in Romans 12, right, pastor, that we were given a measure, we were dealt a measure of faith. So it's impossible to say you don't have faith. You can't say you don't have faith because you were given faith at your conversion. All we got to do is walk in and exercise it. So it's, it's okay, it's okay if, you could, here's another way to approach somebody who are really struggling with something that's not happening in their life. Well, are, are you, do you feel your faith is, are you struggling with your faith for some reason? Ask them in a gentle way. Don't sit there and say, you need more faith, you need more faith. Well, according to the scripture, the Bible says, according to your faith be it unto you. So, why isn't your faith good enough to help me then? Didn't you read that scripture, according to your faith be it unto you? Yeah. Well then when you pray for me who's struggling, is it your faith going up to help me? Are you gonna put it back in my lap and say you just need more faith? Well, whoa! According to scripture, according to your faith, be it unto you. Oh. So what's wrong with my faith if I can pray for somebody and they're not getting healed? Because there's a there's another teaching in God's word we gotta remember, folks, according to his will. God has a say. God has a say in our battles. He has a say in what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. And, and we'll learn more of that next week. So, God didn't rebuke Gideon for his lack of faith. Not once did he say, where's your faith, man? Isn't that beautiful? He just worked with them. He saw that he struggled. He saw his need. He worked with them. Let God work with us, folks. Let God help us in our battles. Let him help us. Because if we know what we're supposed to do, let's just do it. So, number eight, God's plan is clear. God's plan is clear. And uh, so we're in chapter seven, the first seven verses. Early in the morning... Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them, in the valley near the hill of Morai. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. is something? My own strength has saved me. That's what God was trying to get across here. That's why God was doing what he was doing. He wanted to make sure that Israel would never say these words, My own strength has saved me. Our own strength has saved us. We did this. We did that. Yeah. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left with 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take down, take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon Took the men down to the water. Then the Lord told them, "Separate those who lap the water with their tongues, as a dog laps those uh, from those who kneel down to drink." Three hundred of them drank, cupped hands, like lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, "With the three hundred men, not the twenty-two thousand, called back." Ah, uh, Lord, we're going against thousands of soldiers here. Hello, Lord, this can't be right. He said, with 300 men, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. Now, this is a phenomenal plan. And his plan is clear, but that, that verse 2 all bragging rights from the Israelites Army was removed i've got another series i'm working on the Lord is burning in my spirit entitled the Forgotten and uh it's being i've got the rough draft done already and uh, of course, unless somebody comes along and and you you bring them in, we just will just keep coming to help you uh All bragging rights from Israel was removed. And it's interesting because there's there's been a misunderstanding about John in the Bible where John said, I must increase, decrease, but he must increase. I think there's beautiful ways to apply that verse, but what that verse literally meant, I must decrease, he must increase, what that actually meant in the original writings had to do with John was not saying that he wasn't going to be busy for the Lord, what he was saying was, I need to step back now and let Jesus take the front. He's the front runner. I'm getting out of the way. My job was to announce him coming. My job is to step back and let him have the front run. Now, how can I apply that? Well, I can apply that in one way that God is sending me out to do something. I must make sure that I'm out of the way. And that he's the one that's being seen. He's the one that's being heard. He's the one that's being understood. He's the one that's got the preeminence importance, not me. How many times have I said here, and i said to our church for years, it's not about us. It's about the Lord working through us. But God wants us there so he can do what? Work through us. The church isn't going to grow through osmosis it isn't going to grow just because we think it is it's going to grow because we'll go out into the vineyard we're going to go out and compel them to come in that his house may be full that's how we build the kingdom of god plus those god sends in plus those god sends in do you know that god knows how to send people to this church without your invitation I cannot begin to tell you how many people have come to Calvary that I've talked to. I talked to one, two sen, last was it last Sunday? It might have been last Sunday or two Sundays ago. That I was there. There was a we had a lunch afterwards for the newcomers in our church. They've been coming for the last year. We had a luncheon for them, and one of the ladies sat there and said, "I said, so how'd you come to Calvary?" She says, "The Lord told me to come." I can't begin to tell you how many times I've had people tell us. The Lord sent us here. And I thought, two things. Lord, you're cool that you know how to send people to our church. Here's the second thing. God will send people to a church that's ready to receive who he wants to send. This is why we do what we do. This is why we say the things we say. This is why, Chris, I gave you that stuff to is get the church ready. Get the church ready for who God wants to bring. God knows how to bring people here. God wants to send people where he can trust them to be taken care of. Did you ever think of that? He he brings people to a church where he knows the church is going to take care of them. And I really believe with all of my heart, with everything I'm saying today, I believe you are that kind of church. I really do. I promise you before God, I stand before God with all of my heart and sincerity. I believe you are the kind of church that God wants to send people to. You have the spirit of it. You have the making of it. And you have an awful lot of love in this church. It is so obvious. You have no clue the things I observe when I'm here. No clue. You have what it takes for God to pour people into this church. But we got to get ready. There are things we need to do to be ready for them to come. And I'm willing to share those things as time goes on, or as I'm allowed to do. So, well, uh, it's just like God to take what appears impossible to do the impossible. And I'm going to close here. He took those who were alert to the day and to the times. Did you notice that? He took those who were alert and and aware of the times. Remember the men of Eshaka? 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 Issachar, I think it was the Old Testament. They were men of that knew the the uh, were aware of the times in which they lived. Remember that Issachar, the men of Issachar were aware of the times in which they lived. These men, these three hundred men, were the only ones that was aware of their time and their and alert. Why? Because they were laughing while. Like you know why they were doing this? Because they were looking for the enemy. They were watching. Yes, looking for the enemy. They, so they were alert and they were aware that the enemy's out there. Folks, be alert and be aware the enemy is out there in full force today. We got to be careful that we become too lax, too lazy, too laid too back, too downsized, and too comfortable. And hey, the only comfort we should have is the uncomfortableness that we get from God that says, Get up and get moving. <laughs> we get too comfortable in ourselves, we're going to be in trouble when, when it hits. We're going to be hit, we're going to be caught off guard. Not if we're alert and aware with what's around us. Okay? So he took those who were alert into the day of our times. Always, 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 always. Another thing we got from this storyline. Always, always give God the glory for the things He's doing. So I'm going to close today with a word about prayer, and then we're going to do number nine and ten. Try to remember to bring a bass. Next week we're going to have a little, uh, a little bit of a uh, uh, illustration to make for you. Um, so, anyways, a word about prayer. I I'm a person who believes in prayer, and I want to share something with you because I want you to see how important your prayer life is. The uh, um, I had my I, we had our men's breakfast. Uh, we could go Wednesday morning, and one of the guys there is an electrician, retired, semi-retired electrician, goes to our church, and his wife has less Russia's leg syndrome. And he's been crying out for help, for prayer for her. Uh, he said, Pastor, what night she walked the floor for four hours in the middle of the night with her walker, because the only relief she gets from restless leg syndrome is with a walker. So she walks in the middle of the night when she's supposed to be in bed sleeping. And as soon as she sits down, her leg starts being restless again, and it's, she can't sleep. And it's been going on for weeks. And it got restarted by surgery she had in her back. And so I said, Steve, listen, three nights ago, I was awakened by a discomfort in my back, and I was very restless. And I took it as the Lord was asking me to pray for Sandy. And so I prayed for Sandy. And it was that three nights that Sandy had her first sleep. And I realized again something. And I want you to hear this clearly. Do you think that when... I was awakened with that restlessness in my back and I felt I should be praying for Sandy. I even asked the Lord to bring that on me so she could have relief. He says, Pastor, I've done the same thing. I said, Lord, give it to me, I'll take it for her." That's how that's where we've been for Sandy. And uh, he, I said, that was about three nights ago. He said, well, that's, that's when it happened. I said, that's about three nights ago is when I prayed. I want you to hear something clearly. I don't think for one second that it was my prayer that got Sandy to not have a problem since that night. I don't believe that. I believe it was the final prayer that God used of all the hundreds of prayers that God collected and did his will when he wanted to do his will. But the obedience on my part to pray for her was important to the whole picture i never think it's only one person's prayer i always think it's a lot of people praying for people and god takes all the prayers that's how important your prayer is when you leave here today and you're praying and you're praying for somebody just know You're just one of many who's probably praying for them. Hey, there might be a case. Maybe a missionary goes over to Africa, and he's all by himself, and they've not heard about God, and he prays and thinks, yeah, okay, okay, God can use just one prayer. But I think that when we are praying for people in our church here, and there's things going, I think if we would just take time to pray, I think God's hearing every one of your prayers, and I don't think he's missing a one i think he's kept them all even for your beautiful wife i think he's collected them all for that day for that time that he decides and determines that this is when he works don't stop praying don't stop believing don't stop having faith confirm with fleeces from time to time if you need to it's okay you're not going to get in trouble it's okay if you're honest with god god i'm really struggling today i'm having a problem with my faith i what's going on it's okay, God won't be mad at you. He didn't get never once got mad at Gideon. He just came right back gently, encouragingly, lovingly, and walked him through to victory. God's not mad at you if you're questioning some things. He's not mad at you. Who oh, I know. Who was it in the Bible? Who prayed? Lord. Why? If you are sick of me. Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Who else? Who, who did that? And I can't talk to God. Yet Jesus can say, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Notice what he said. If it's your will. When it's God's will, folks, it is going to happen. I got scripture to back that up. It's going to happen. You can't change what God's will is. Read Acts. Paul's, read Paul's conversion. You'll see it. Anyways, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. And Lord, thank you that you understand us better than we're willing to understand ourselves sometimes, I think. I think we are afraid that if we think a certain thing, say a certain thing, that we're going to be in this deep, deep trouble. We're going to be put off. No, no, no. You worked with Gideon. He struggled. He struggled. You know his self-worth at the time. He struggled yet you so lovingly and patiently walked him through to get him ready for that battle how awesome you are thank you god now lord we have been told to exercise we have been told to have faith in you so we really should leave this place today and have faith in you and i believe everybody in this room does and we have no reason to question our faith when we know we're trusting you and we know if faith. what's there to question We just wait. We just wait and trust you for your will to be done. Because we know we have faith, and we're going to exercise it. So, Lord, watch over our church here. Guide it, direct it, prepare it. Gear it up, ready, Lord, to lap the water, to be aware of what's around, so that when the enemy comes, we're ready. (laughs) We're ready. And we're going to see that next week. Thank you, Lord. Watch over Saul. Give you the glory, praise, and honor. And all God's people prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Lord, be with that brother who's having surgery tomorrow. May it all go well. Thank you for your strength and t- touch in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you, folks. God bless you.